Success transcends cities. As one of the world's most respected business leaders, I know what it takes. Join me now as I sit down with fellow leaders and we share our insights into how you can be successful. My name is Jeffrey Hazlett, and this is All Business. In recent months, there's been a lot of speculation as to whether or not we'll be heading into another recession. As a top business executive and host of C-Suite TV, this concerns me especially as I, like all business leaders, need to be prepared to protect assets and keep companies afloat. As a means to glean this information, I sit down with some of the top experts in their fields and pick their brains to determine what's going on and how we can prepare for the months ahead. The first person I sat down with was my friend, John Sylvia, a renowned economist who after retiring from his position as managing director and chief economist for Wells Fargo, started his own economist firm. Surely he has some suggestions. On a scale of one to 10, what is the severity of the upcoming recession and is it gonna be a recession? I think at this point, Jeffrey, I think the severity would be simply maybe a two or three, very modest. Basically, as you know, the U.S. economy really is driven by the American consumer. And when you see the job growth that people have, the low level of jobless claims, uh, the continued improve, improvement overall in the financial markets, it's all very, very positive for the economy. So I put a very low probability on a recession. Hey, John, you, you might even have been an old Boy Scout. What should individuals <laughs> and businesses do to be prepared for this upcoming recession or mild crisis? I think the number one story would be watch your labor costs, hire the best people possible at a reasonable price. I think what we've seen in the tech sector is the overemployment of a lot of folks um, who at the end of the day didn't have a lot of productivity in terms of what's going on. And then the second is really investing in capital and software, because that seems to be where we're going to get the productivity gains over the next two to three years. Now, I keep hearing about supply chain. And of course, during COVID, you know, we were hoarding toilet paper. Are we going to go through one of those phases again? And do we have to make sure that we have some kind of surplus of items? <laughs> I think on average, most businesses probably will increase the ratio of inventories to sales in terms of supplies. But I don't think we're going to go through another crunch on the supply side. Uh, what we're looking at, for example, you might be familiar with, Jeffrey, is the Federal Reserve Bank in New York publishes a supply chain index mm. that has improved dramatically. So I don't see, at least nationwide, any real constraints on the supply side. Yeah, we're starting to see the floodgates open up a little bit, but it's still a problem here and there that I see. Now, I like to say, John, never waste a good crisis, you know, as business <laughs> leaders, you know, what should we be taking advantage of right now? I think expand internationally would be my number one suggestion. Uh, we have decent economic growth in the United States. We have good labor capital arrangements. Again, you can see all the strikes that are going on in Europe and England. And we can take advantage of some of the uncertainty with respect to economic policy in China. I think expanding internationally is my, would be my number one priority. All right. Beyond expanding internationally, what's the best tip you feel every business leader needs to know right now? 
I think focus on the next two or three years in terms of economic growth and profitability. As you mentioned earlier, Jeffrey, I think the probability and the severity of the recession will be small at best. And so what we're thinking of is think long term, think of the continued growth of the U.S. economy. I think we're going to have much lower inflation and fairly steady interest rates at a lower level than we have right now. So what final thoughts would you like to leave our audience? Be positive. I, I think we've had a lot of challenges in the last two years, as you and I have talked about, Jeffrey, but we've come through. I think we're making adjustments, and I suspect we'll have decent economic growth in the next two to three years, more modest inflation numbers, uh, probably lower interest rates longer term. I think those are all positive for running a business. Well, it's good to hear the news that it might not be so bad, especially from someone who really knows this system well. And that's going to give us a lot more time to go uh, trout fishing, John. So yes, thanks sir. so much for joining me. C-Suite Radio. John's view is rather optimistic and gave me the reassurance that my business will be safe. However, his opinions seem to be rooted in the here and now. To understand how recessions have worked historically, I turn to Danielle DiMartino Booth. Danielle is the founder and CEO of Quill Intelligence, prior to which she spent nine years at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Hey, Danielle, good to have you back on the show. I tell you what, I got to ask you about the Fed. What do you think the Fed's going to do during the recession? So I, I think the Fed is going to maintain a tighter stance than what we are accustomed to. And, and, and you know, if, if you look back over the last 40 years, that's a real game changer because we're used to the Fed quickly changing course uh, when the market throws a hissy fit or if there's the, the slightest you know, sign that, that there's any slowing in, in the economy. But the inflation fight has yet to be uh, to be won. And I think that that's going to keep this particular Jay Powell-led Fed engaged. Now, I've been hearing a lot from a lot of different people in the market, outside the market. And of course, you have a lot of Fed experience. Are we paying back the stuff that we did before? There is an element of payback here. There, there There's an element of, you know, we, we had deluded ourselves as investors uh, and as citizens of America into believing that there was such a thing as a free lunch. And that we we could take risk and not ever suffer the consequences. And now we're kind of seeing the flip side of that, which is why, you know, markets tend to go up, 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 and then they turn around and pull back. At the same time, you're seeing companies really press forward um, with cost cuts. And, and that's also something that we're not accustomed to. We're accustomed to free money flowing into what we're learning now is quite a few companies that overhired they, they simply had too much money. They didn't know what to do with it. But backing that out of the economy is proving to be very costly. Well, and when you have a crisis like we're seeing today, it's always a great excuse for a lot of big companies to cut workforces. Do you see more of that happening in the future? You know, it's interesting you raise that question. We just had the first, uh, earlier in the year, Bank of America said, we're only about 50% of the way through these the, through the tech wreck, through the layoffs that we're going to see. And now we're starting to see firms announcing a second round of layoffs. And it's just true to script. You have a lot of inexperienced CEOs out there who were just like, look, it's money. And so, but, but they don't know how to efficiently run companies. The CEOs you're talking about who are using the excuse of a slowdown uh, in order to, to pare back headcount, they're shrewd. 
they're veterans. They know exactly what they're doing, but it's, it's much you, you, at the same time, you've got an entirely different generation of, of newbies, of, of, of non-veterans, and they don't quite know what to do. They wake up and they're like, wait a minute, how did Elon Musk cut 75% of headcount and Twitter didn't crash? What, what am I missing here? And I, I think what they're missing is that they, they didn't know how to efficiently and effectively build business models. Yeah, don't forget that old adage, when you get to a new C-suite job, it's got three envelopes in the drawer and it says, one, blame it on the last guy. Number two is blame it on the market. Number three is get the next envelopes ready. You know, so that's <laughs> something they might want to think about. Hey, before we go, I've got to ask you this one question. With all your experience in the Fed, we've seen a lot of interest rates hiked in the last year. Do you see more hikes in the coming year? Um, I do, but of, of a smaller magnitude. And I think I think looking at 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 hikes, given the level that we've achieved as quickly as we have, is something of a red herring. So we might see two or three more 25 basis point hikes. But in the background, Jay Powell continues to passively, to use his word, reduce the size of the Fed's balance sheet. That's pulling liquidity out of the system and acts just as strongly as rate hikes would act. And again, that's happening at the same time that he's slowly pressing forward with smaller rate hikes. The point is higher for longer. And we we're not used to that. We, 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 we've been trained, it's ingrained lower for longer. And he's trying to change the narrative, turn it on its head and say, no, you know what? We're going to be higher for longer. Get used to it. One last question. What do you think business owners, business leaders need to be doing right now? So I think business leaders need to be digging deep and, and, and going to the mattresses, as as the Italian in me would say, and, and, and learning how to do as much as they can on their own. I'm talking about grunt work, heavy lifting. Be extremely mindful that your competitors are in a cost-cutting mode and that, therefore, if you're going to remain their competitors, you're going to have to be equally vigilant with making sure that you're running the tightest possible ship that you can and not spending an extra penny. Hard to do, but I think discipline is what's going to win this race. C-Suite Radio. Danielle's more caustic view of this current state of the economy fed into my suspicions that were not quite in the clear. This is why I turned to Commander Mary Kelly next. Mary's a Hall of Fame speaker and earned her PhD in economics. She's a corporate advisor and has written 15 books and served as a U.S. Naval Commander. Hey, recession, it's the word that's on top of every business leader's mind right now. And people are feeling like we're in intimate danger, at least right now. Are they right to feel that we're in DEFCON 2 or maybe DEFCON 1? What do you think it is, Mary? Well, the end is not in sight, but 2023 is going to be a rocky and tumultuous year. Are we in for a recession? Well, it depends on whether or not we, you thought we had a recession in 2022. The answer is we did. The recession happened because two successive negative GDP quarters do, in fact, a recession make. Whether or not you don't want to call it that or not for political reasons, that's how you interpret that. But we had a recession. We were in a recession because of government expenditures and net exports in third quarter. We pulled out of the technical recession in 2022. However, what that meant was, as most people are familiar with, higher inflation, higher costs, gas prices that were artificially deflated, again, mostly for political reasons, that are now back to normal levels. So we basically cut off one end of the blanket to sew on the other end of the blanket, and that's what we're facing in 2023. 
Well, given everything we faced in COVID, is there really a new normal? There is no such thing as a new normal. What there is, is new crises, challenges, and changes. And this is where real strategic leaders have to operate. They have to understand that crises are normal. They are now part of life. I taxonomize crises in four sectors, geopolitical, economic, domestic, and workplace. Most of our leaders are focused just on workplace crises, some in the domestic area. What we need to be paying attention to, however, are the economic crises and the geopolitical crises that are going to impact our day-to-day -day business decisions. Well, in fact, should we be thinking more global than local? Absolutely. Global impacts. So look at what's going on right now. 23,000 people are dead because of the seismic activity between Syria and Turkey, which that, that fault has existed for thousands of years. It shouldn't be a surprise, but we haven't had activity for 200 years. That's an external shock. You can't count for that, but that's going to take resources. Russia is still in Ukraine. The death tolls have never been higher on both sides. That's taking a toll on food insecurity in places as far away as Africa and Asia. China saying that they're going to take Taiwan back by 2027 means that more people are more cautious about doing business on the Pacific side, and they are in fact looking at the Atlantic side, even with the Russia-Ukrainian problems with shipping. So we do have to be paying attention to what's going on on the global scale, and we have to understand that there are external market shocks that we can't control. What we have to control are the business decisions we make every single day and looking into the future. Yeah, you're starting to scare me a little bit, Mary, there. I just thought I just wanted to meet my sales number for the, you know, the month or the quarter. Well, what can business leaders do to migrate from the negative effects that we see in these external economic shocks? Jeffrey, first, they need to start very micro. You need to look very, very carefully at the things you can control and not the things you cannot. So certain things, you have to be aware of them, but you cannot control them and you cannot influence them. Focus very narrowly with laser-like focus on the things you can control, which is how many sales calls are your people making every day? Are you making the right sales calls? I met with a team the other day and they said, yeah, we've got a goal for our people that everybody make 50 outbound calls a day. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life because their salespeople tell me, I'm just praying that I get an answering machine. That is, that's just wasting time. We cannot afford to waste time. So look very carefully at where your time wasters are and make sure your people's time is best spent on doing things that increase your ROI for their time. Otherwise, you're going to be doing what everybody else is doing, which is laying off a whole bunch of people because you can't make your numbers. So, Mary, I know you wrote another bestseller, your latest book, Better in 52 Weeks, Action Steps to a Better Business and a Better Life with Less Stress and More Productivity. That seems to be more relevant right now than ever. Tell us why you did this book. Jeffrey, because my managers and my leaders need short-term, quick fixes that actually work with the challenges they're facing right now today. My strategic thinkers need to be thinking big, and I'm talking not just next quarter and next year, but five, 10 years, 20 years down the road. My managers have to be worried about whether or not their employees are engaged today at work, whether or not their employees are focused, whether or not their people are being productive. The book is designed in five stages, how to start a business. Okay, maybe you're starting a division or a new department or you're branching out into a new territory and then growing that area. And again, these are one page very focused solutions on a specific problem. And then there's a section on productivity. There's a section on how to build your team. And there's a section on growing your leadership as a whole. I've got about 80 of these five-minute solutions. A publisher put these together in a book that's designed. If you just do one a week for 52 weeks, 
business grows. Well, Commander Kelly, you are spot on as always. And since you said think big, I love that because gave you a plug for your book. I'll give a plug for my book, Think Big, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless. C-Suite Radio. It was good to hear an opinion that gives us an international perspective. We sometimes forget this is a global issue and America's right at the top of it. But I also wanted to hear thoughts which were closer to home. Hence why I turned to Mark Skosin, a leading economist who has served as a consultant to a variety of Fortune 500 companies, including IBM and Hutchinson Technology. Hey, Mark, great to see you again. When we last spoke, you felt that we're headed into a mild recession. Is that still what you're seeing? Well, actually, uh, GDP statistics last year suggested a, a small recession, uh, but my gross output statistic, which measures spending at all stages of production, includes the supply chain, which is very important, showed no recession at all. However, it did show that the economic growth rate was declining and was headed toward a recession. So 2023 is still... I still has a good chance of a recession. I don't know how serious it would be because the supply chain shortages have really been the, the thing that the economy has been making a comeback. And um, uh, because you, it, it, that's what business does. They respond to shortages by filling in the gaps. And uh, there's a lot to be said for the resilience of this economy. And, and of course, Biden is taking full credit for all of this. And yet, He's still under the Trump tax cuts. So uh, you might talk to Art Laffer about that, because frankly, uh, uh, we're benefiting. The Biden administration is benefiting from these tax cuts that went through uh, several years ago. It sounds almost like we should flip a coin, but we need that coin to go back into the economy. <laughs> Every cent counts at this point. So what economic trends or indicators should business leaders be paying attention to in this current climate? Well, I do think interest rates are a very big driving force. The Federal Reserve is uh, really pushing on the uh, the pedal to raise rates and catch catch up with the inflation that's going going on. Money supply growth has gone down to zero, so that's an indication of trouble ahead. The uh, what we call the inverted yield curve, where the short term rate, which is over four percent, is higher than the long term rates, which is under four percent. It's not a big difference. It's not like it's a huge uh, negative yield curve. So that may suggest a mild recession. But I think at some point the Fed is going to pivot and uh, realize, hey, we've won the battle against inflation. It's coming down. I don't know if it'll get down to two percent because the Biden administration is spending money like water. Uh, the deficits are getting worse. The national debt is is rising. So there are some long-term problems that we, we are facing. But short term, I'm really actually surprised on how buoyant our, our economy has been in this era of inflation and rising interest rates. Well, I love to see an economist who's excited any time about the economy or what's <laughs> going on. Hey, now, Mark, I know you personally. We've been friends for a number of years and I know that you're a direct descendant of Benjamin Franklin, and I know that you're aware that history repeats itself when it comes to economics. At least it plays a big part. I want to ask you a question about Adam Smith's hand. Is it still visible today? Because he, of course, was the founder of the free market capitalism system and would be this year 300 years old. Is, he, is it still relevant today? 
Well, it's interesting because you mentioned Ben Franklin and both of them uh, had a laissez-faire view. In fact, Ben Franklin said uh, uh, that an industrious and virtuous people may be cheaply governed. And I don't think we have cheap government today. I, I think Democrats, Republicans, everyone would agree that government's pretty expensive. Uh, the Adam Smith model is, uh, there's some wins and some loses. Uh, free trade is still very vibrant. Uh, globalization is still going on. That was one of the big parts of Adam Smith's invisible hand. Uh, limited government, that's a little bit more difficult. He certainly favored a balanced budget. He favored sound money, the gold standard. We've moved away from those things and we're struggling in, in, in those areas. Is. But my biggest concern is the size of government. Uh, it, it's not cheap anymore. It's ballooned and it continues to grow, whether a Republican or Democrat. So this is a very uh, serious danger problem, especially the national debt, where uh, with these interest rates raising, we're, we're headed for some kind of a monetary crisis with uh, the interest rates going through the roof. Uh, th this could be a very expensive uh experiment by the Fed to keep raising these rates. There is a downside to it, and that is the the uh, federal government fiscal policy gone, gone awry. Well, it's still a lot less than the rates that we paid back in the 80s, or at least the early 80s, that a lot of us saw as double-digit numbers that were way out of control. Listen, Mark, I always like to say never waste good crisis. As business leaders, what should we be taking advantage of right now? I, you know, I think the technology advances that we're seeing in AI, uh, in uh, maybe even the digital currencies, there's a lot of things, the blockchain that's going on there. These new technologies that are coming online with uh, automatic driving and uh, lots of ways that we can use this new technology, I think, I think we need to be in the forefront of doing that because... Adam Smith even said that he had that optimism that no matter the the greatest errors of administration, we can see the natural improvement uh, where we all engage in, uh, in in these new technologies, the new innovations. Uh, that's really the key. Uh, all of the economists say that economic growth is linked to the new technologies, and the United States has always led the world in that area. So, Mark, I give you one last question. If you owned a business or were, you know, helping someone with the business, what are some best practices for managing financial risk in uncertain economic times that you would recommend? Well, cost cutting is extremely important. You always have to watch that bottom line. And I particularly like the fact that all the major corporations, whether it's Amazon or Microsoft or Apple or Google, they all have a huge cash position. Even Warren Buffett has a huge cash position. And why do you need that? Because you don't know what's going to happen. And if there's a sudden recession, how are you going to survive? Those who have a lot of cash on hand, they're in a good shape to continue to, maintain, to keep their best employees and also to look for bargains out there. So that's, that's what I would say, to be very careful, be prudent, don't uh, overextend yourself right now, build a strong cash position and be prepared to take advantage of, of these new uh, technologies that are out there. C-Suite Radio. Mark gave good insight into the direct role that the U.S. government plays in the state of the economy. Since Mark name dropped Dr. Art Laffer in the interview, who's a friend of mine, I thought it wouldn't be a bad idea to ask him for his advice. 
Dr. Laffer was a member of Ronald Reagan's Economic Policy Board for both of his presidential terms and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2019 for his contributions to the field of economics. Dr. Laffer, what are the current indicators that suggest a potential recession and how severe do you think it's going to be? Well, I think the runs in the banks are the most important indicator there. And I mean, if you look at big indicators, you'd have to look at the balance sheet of the Fed, which is now once again approaching $9 trillion, which is way out of control. And you have to look at fiscal policy, this budget that Biden just proposed, $6.9 trillion with huge tax increase and all. Those are the two background things that are guaranteeing that the system ultimately will explode if, the, if these things are carried out. How does the current economic situation compare to past recessions? And what can we learn from history to help us navigate our current state? Just if you look at past ones, you get the 2008, 2009 situation. You get the 1987 one. If you'll, you won't remember that, you're too young. But if you go back much earlier, you've got a bunch of these. And they all sort of happen when you get bad monetary and fiscal policy mixed together. It's like turning on a boiler. Uh, you know, if you go into a room and have a boiler there, you turn the heat all the way up, you turn off the safety valves. All right. And every 15 minutes you walk in with a little brass tap hammer and you go on the boiler, you know, by turning the heat on full blast and by shutting off the safety valves, you guarantee the boiler will explode. By walking in every 15 minutes with a little brass tap hammer going, you guaranteed to be there when it happens. And, uh, you know, that's that that's Signature Bank, that's Silicon Valley Bank, that's uh, Credit Suisse. All of these are indicators of, you know, these are catalysts that have happened in the boiler. But the boiler has not been rectified at all. Uh, we have an underlying fiscal and monetary situation uh, that is, you know, it's, it's, it's going the wrong direction and will continue to yield really catastrophic results if we don't stop it. Let me ask you this. How might businesses be impacted by the recession and what steps can they take to prepare? Uh, right now, my advice, at least the advice I follow, is never try to catch a falling knife. You know, when uh, when pol politicians make decisions, when they are either panicked or drunk, the consequences are rarely attractive. And these people are panicked. They don't know what they're doing. They're sitting in a room in the Oval Office, seven or eight of them or nine of them. And they, what's your idea? What do you think? Can you have any ideas? No, this is not the way to think about economics. It's to sit back, be cool, be calm, collected, get your ducks in order ahead of time, be prepared for crises. This group is not prepared in any way, shape or form for them. And, you know, whenever you see everyone panicked around you, Put your hands over your ears, shut your eyes and say, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not listening because a week from now they won't be panicked. And uh, what you want to do then is when the dust settles and the smoke clears, that's when you make your business decisions. Otherwise, do not do not do something during a panic time because you'll you'll live to regret most of the situation. Now, when you ask what type of situation should you be in right now, cash is a great position to be in right now. I mean, and I'm not saying the markets won't go up. I mean, they may well, but uh, frankly, this is not the risk you want to take, I don't think. We spoke with a fellow economist, Mark Skousen, who mentioned how we're still benefiting from tax reform under Trump. Can you talk a little bit about this and how it compares to what Biden's doing? Well, sure. I mean, Trump tax cuts, which began in 2017, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is what it was. Uh, we lowered the corporate tax from 35 to 21, I think it was the number. Uh, we got wrote the personal income down to thirty seven nine, I think it was, and uh, instead of uh, thirty nine, 
we did all sorts of other great things there and it paid for itself within two years. We've got the date on it. If you've seen my book, Taxes Have Consequences, uh, Complete History of the U.S. Income Tax, which just came out, uh, you can see the last chapter is on the Trump tax cuts. And you know, they paid for themselves. They, they did everything right. And all these other people were just totally wrong on the situation. And, you know, Biden's is just the opposite. Everyone thinks it's wonderful. They'll get a lot of more revenue. They're estimating some 5.7 trillion more revenues in their tax cuts. That's just acres and acres of soap suds and horse manure. Uh, they will not get the money they expect. People will shelter their income. They'll learn less. All of that will happen and the revenues will go down. And these people would be sorely, sorely shaken by the uh, by the results that they actually get. Let me ask you one last question. What are some of the potential opportunities for businesses to capitalize on during a recession? Well, you, you got to look at how the specifics are in the recession and, or the downturn. And I, I would not put this as a recession, to be honest with you. If I, if I may, this is a long-term secular decline in the U.S. economy, maybe with wiggles and bibbles as you go along it. But we have had one of the slowest growth 25-year periods in U.S. history, and there's nothing out there that tells me this is not continuing. Now, when you look at the U.S. secular decline, which is really the problem, uh, if you look at the secular decline, we're not alone. I mean, Russia is having a lot of problems. China's now swung the other way as well. Europe is in a long downturn. Even Chile and is going down. Britain and so we are the tallest midget in the group. Uh, we are suffering the least, but we are clearly the ones who have to lead it out. And if we don't do it, who will? No one else can do that. And all of that depends upon the elections in 2024, maybe later than that. I mean, if we've gone 25 years so far, there's no reason why we can't go longer. But I hope we don't because I'm 82 years old and I want to enjoy the next boom. <laughs> should tax cuts be a part of that? Of course they should be. We should move to a low rate, broad based, flat tax. Duh. I mean, anyone with any sense in economics knows that's what you want to do. We want to get rid of all of these little, little taxes there and replace it just the way I did with Jerry Brown when he ran for president in 1992. You know, we got a, we replaced all federal taxes with two low rate broad based flat taxes. Uh, we had sin taxes were still there, but um, uh, but uh, that's the way you want to go. And you want spending restraint. You want sound money. You want minimal regulations. You want free trade and then get the hell out of the way and let the market solve it for themselves. And, and that's the way you go. And uh, it's been the truth for the past three centuries and probably will remain so for the next three centuries as well. Rich people. It's interesting. It's interesting to get a Jerry Brown quote from you and not a Ronald Reagan. Well, there's a Ronald Reagan one, too. We got I mean, we did very close. We took the last 86 tax act. We dropped 11 tax brackets to two tax brackets. We dropped the corporate from uh, what was it from 45 percent to 34 uh, percent. And with 46 to 34 percent, we take the personal income tax down from 70 percent down to 28 percent. We went from 11 tax brackets to two tax brackets. I mean, what's not lovable about that? And did you, did you notice the economy? I don't know if you noticed the economy did OK. When I, we came into office on January 20th, 1981, the prime interest rate in this wonderful country of yours was 21.5%. And between Volcker and Reagan, with tight money and uh, expansive fiscal policy, we brought that inflation rate way down. We created 20 plus million jobs. I mean, blah, 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 blah. it was just wonderful. Why not do what worked before? Duh. I mean, you know, it just seems so silly and simple. But, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no fixing stupid. And, you know, there they go. And, and, you know, they're just doing it again like they always do. And, you know, 
That means that we look very good in 24, by the way, just uh, very seriously, the election of 24 looks very good. C-Suite Radio. Since Art gave yet another historic perspective on the economy, I thought it was time to look forward, which is why I turned to my friend Daniel Burris, who approaches the economy from a futurist perspective. Daniel is a leading strategic advisor to Fortune 500 executives, who the New York Times has touted as one of the top three business gurus. In his 35-year career, Daniel has developed a reputation for his exceptional record of accurately predicting the future of technological change and its direct impact on the business world. All right, Dan, it's good to have you back on my show. Now, of course, you're one of the leading futurists. You look ahead. You mean you tell us what's way out there. How severe do you think this recession is going to be and what effects will it have on business? Or is this just like a chicken little situation? Well, a couple of things to understand there. Uh, this recession, as, as we know of it, is going to not be evenly distributed meaning it depends on where you are. Uh, just a reminder, back in 2008, now I'm in San Diego right now, uh, near where I live, the malls during the entire recession, they were packed. Everybody was buying, it looked like there was no recession. If I would have gone down just a little south of San Diego to an area called Chula Vista, it was devastated by it. So it depends on your market, depends on your customers, depends on what sector you're in, uh, so let's get that straight. So understand it's not evenly distributed, whatever it might be. Secondly, there are two basic types of change, right? There's cyclical change. That what goes down will come up. A recession is cyclical. We'll have it. And by the way, we won't be in it forever. It will go up, which means you need to be doing the things that position you to thrive as it goes back up while it's going down. Really important. And uh, the other kind of change is these permanent exponential changes caused by technology. Again, once uh, people get refrigeration for their homes in India, they're not going back. Once the people park their uh, car or their bicycles and get cars in China, they're not going back. Well, now that we have AI, we've shifted in a way from big data to big AI, right? And with generative AI and chat GPT, by the way, if you haven't tried it yet, you'd better be trying it. Um, we can get 80% there on our marketing. We can get 80% there on so many things quickly. It's to save you time, to save you money. But then, of course, you need to put in your effort with your team to get you to the top 100. So in other words, there's powerful tools that allow us to do things that were impossible last year. Some of them are free. So let's not waste this recession. All right, so you talked about technologies. What technologies should businesses be searching for and deploying? All right, well, thanks. Uh, first of all, I've been kind of compiling a list of uh, AI tools that can do everything from you talk into it and it creates a PowerPoint slide based on what you ask for. By the way, that's free. Uh, one that will take uh, you know a, a video that you have and give you exactly a transcript of what it said and translated into any language. By the way, that's free. I got over a hundred of those. I've, in wow. other words, there are, yeah, it's a wow. It is. It's a it is. Wow. Dan, I mean, it is a wow. Not, <laughs> that's here, a big listen, wow. <laughs> all of us that are looking at this recession, I want you to understand this. We have entered the holy cow phase. Don't blow that because technology has accelerated eight to 10 years during 2020, 21, 22, 
uh, like AI and all these things that we have. And by the way, some of you are noticing a big cut in employees in the big tech firms. And a lot of people are saying, right. oh, recession in tech. No, there isn't. All they're doing is getting rid of all the excess people they hired in the last two years because it accelerated by 10 years. And AI is letting them do things they couldn't do before. So even if you're a small retailer, even if you're a mom and pop shop, you can use these tools. Now, of course, uh, I've got a great tool for everybody, and it's free. If you go to my website, Burrus, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, you can download my 25 top tech trends and look at which ones you want to take advantage of. It's right on the front. Doesn't cost you anything. I suggest you do that. All right. And we love a good pitch. Nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, I want <laughs> well, hey, we better be pitching. <laughs> exactly. We always better be pitching, especially in a recession. And as Dan mentioned, there's a lot of opportunity for people and finding great people as they get out of these tech sectors and look for other jobs. All right, Dan, thanks so much for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. Well, now we have a clearer understanding of how we should run our businesses moving forward and how to work with instead of against the economy. Hopefully, you all gain knowledge that you can apply to your business as well. Now, the economy might be an abstract concept that is easy to be afraid of, but like all things unknown, the only way to conquer it is to approach it without fear and accept that unexpected quirks come with it. In all bad things, there's always good things. And even in a recession, there's opportunities. So I now look at the potential recession with a sense of optimism. Hey everyone, Jeffrey Hazlett here, host of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. I just wanted to thank you all for tuning in. This has been a big endeavor that took a lot of work and a lot of hands. And I want to thank my team at C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio for really pushing it and making it possible. But most of all, I want to thank my guests, Daniel Burris, Daniel Martino Booth, Commander Mary Kelly, Dr. Art Laffer, and Mark Skosin. Thank you all for giving me of your time and sharing your invaluable insights into the economy. It was truly a pleasure, and now it's time to do business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.